السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدد ما في علم الله صلاة والسلام دائمين بدوام ملك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وأشهد أنه الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إلها واحدا ورب شاهدا ونحن له مسلمون وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة عيوننا محمد عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى والدين الحق ليظهر على دين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد يا عباد الله إني مصيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله One of the most important and fundamental aspects of our deen is what is called in Arabic the niyyah that is our intention and the hadith on intention of intention narrated both in the famous collections and authentic collections of Al-Bukhari and Muslim, as well as all of the other six great collections of hadith. In this blessed narration, our Prophet ﷺ establishes this fundamental nature of the intention. And for the blessing, we're going to mention the rawa, the various transmitters are, transmitters are narrators of the hadith. And one of the great blessings of knowing the narrators of the hadith is that we come to know that the scholars who came before us did an immense job to preserve the words of our Prophet ﷺ. When we start to study the science of hadith and we start to understand how detailed they were, about who it is that they took from, who it is that they accepted from, who it is that they rejected, what reports reach the highest degree of strength and what reports are still strong yet not that highest degree, what others have some level of weakness in them, in the very complex and sophisticated way they then built the various sciences of Islam from aqidah, creed, to fiqh, legal rulings, to other sciences as well based upon these various criteria. This is from the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these narrators, they were the most pious of people. And they were the most upright of people. And they were the cream of crop of people in their societies that knew exactly how to convey meanings with the highest degree of precision. So when this hadith, the hadith starts by saying, حَدَّثَنَا الْحُمَيْدِيُّ Abdullah ibn Zubair قال حَدَّثَنَا سُفْيَانَ قال حَدَّثَنَا يَحْيَى بِنُ سَعِيدًا أَنْصَارِ قال أخبرني محمد إبراهيم التيمي أنه سمع القمة ابن وقاسنا ليثي يقول سمعت أمم بن الخطاب رضي الله عنه على المنبر And so in this particular narration that we are learning that the first one to tell that Imam Bukhari, this hadith, is this great individual by the name of Humaydi, Abdullah ibn Zubair. This is who the Imam Bukhari heard the hadith from. And then he mentions the one who told him the hadith, and then he mentions the one that told him the hadith, and to the Prophet 
and there are still scholars on the face of this earth today that have a direct chain of narration that they studied in great detail. Sahih al-Bukhari with their teacher who studied with their teacher with an unbroken chain back to Imam al-Bukhari himself. And this is a whole topic in and of itself. So that we know when they say, سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ In particular, this is the words of Sayyidina Umar al-Khattab when he says that I heard the Messenger of Allah say وسلم, We know that what we're hearing we can take seriously and we know that it has been established upon a firm foundation. So, Al-Qam ibn Waqas al-Layfi He heard from Sayyidina Umar al-Khattab and he was in, present when he was on the minbar, on the pulpit. He said that I heard him say, سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ يُقُولُ So Sayyidina Umar now said, I heard the Messenger of Allah وسلم, say, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ Actions are by intentions. وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ مِرِيًا مَا نَوَاهِ And every man will have that which he intended. فَمَنْ كَانَ هِجْرُ تُوِيلَ اللَّهِ إِلَى الدُّنْيَا يُصِيبَهَا Whoever's hijrah, migration, is to Allah and to his messenger. His hijrah, his migration, is for that which he intended. His hijrah, his migration, whoever it is for something of this world, to acquire it, or to marry a woman. His hijrah, migration, is for that which he migrated for. So in this blessed hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, he is establishing the importance and the foundational nature of the intention. And by the consensus of the great Imams, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, Imam Abdurrahman ibn Mahdi, Imam Ali ibn al-Madini, Imam Abu Dawood, Imam Al-Qutni, and others. They say that this hadith is thuruthul ilm, one-third of knowledge. This hadith is one-third of knowledge. And some of them have said, it's one-fourth of knowledge. So when these great imams, who are proofs for us, when they say something, they don't say something from their desires or their caprice. They know what they're saying. They're the most careful people of those who speak words. They know that when they say something, is that they are saying something that they will be held accountable for on the Day of Judgment. And so when you have imam after imam after imam confirming this meaning, we know that what they say has the greatest weight. And Imam al-Bayhaqi, who comes later, that he says, the reason that it is one-third of knowledge, or from among the reasons, is that the kasb, the various acts that we do, and that what things that we acquire through our acquisition and exercising our intention. He says, it might be with your heart, it might be with your tongue, and it might be with your limbs. So the intention is one of these three categories. And in fact, it's the most important of those three, the heart, the tongue, and the limbs. Why? Because the intention in and of itself 
is ibadah mustaqillah. It is an independent form of worship. Just making intentions, making an intention or making multiple intentions is an independent form of worship. And all of the other acts that we do with our tongue and with our limbs are dependent upon the intention in the heart. So the intention can be an independent form of worship. And everything else that we do is built on that. This is one of the meanings of it being one-third of knowledge. But Imam al-Shafi'i radiallahu anhu, he also said, the hadith al-niyyah, so the hadith of the Prophet about the intention, yadkhulu fi sab'ina baban min al-ilm. It enters into 70 different chapters of knowledge. 70 different chapters of knowledge. And Imam Asiyuti, who comes significantly later, he is known to have gathered the various chapters that the intention enters into. And so he said that he presented them after gathering them and saying, these are the 70 chapters or even more that the intention enters into. So that he wanted to say, because some people said Imam al-Shafi only said this out of hyperbole, just to, in, in t to show, to point to the greatness of the intention. He didn't mean that literally. And so Imam al-Suyuti, who comes much later, is that he actually traces all of the different chapters of knowledge that the intention enters in. And he gathers them. And he said, here they are. This is what Imam al-Shafi said, and there's even more. So that don't think this was hyperbole. He wasn't exaggerating. He wasn't just mentioning 70 as this great number that enters into a lot. No, actually 70 or maybe even more. In one of the early sadaf is that they say, they said, لَيْسَ فِي أَخْبَارِ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ شَيْءٍ there is nothing from among all of the different sayings of the Prophet ﷺ that is more beneficial than this hadith, more comprehensive than this hadith, and more sufficing than this hadith. In other words, is that it is a comprehensive hadith that includes so many different meanings, and it will suffice you in so many different affairs, and it is of the utmost benefit from beginning to end in everything that it is that we do in life. And it is for this reason, it is the very first hadith. And the great collection of the aforementioned Imam al-Bukhari, this is how he begins his sahih, just as it is the first hadith in the acclaimed connection, collection of a hadith that is important for us to connect to and to read, Riyad al-Sadihin, the gardens of the righteous, of Imam al-Nawi. And the 40 hadith of Imam Nawi, which is actually slightly more than 40, he also mentions this as the first hadith. So the common collections that are oftentimes in the shelves of the vast majority of Muslims throughout the world, the very first hadith that they were going to read in these connect collections is the hadith of the Niyyah, where our Prophet ﷺ taught us the importance of the Niyyah. And this is why Imam al-Dawud al-Ta'i that he said, رَأَيْتُ الْخَيْرِ كُلُّهُ إِنَّمَا يَجْمَعُهُ حُسْنِ النِّيَةِ I found that having a good intention gathers for one all good. All good. Having a good intention gathers one 
gathers for one all good. And one of the reasons this is the case is when we start to understand how the intention relates to what makes us unique as human beings. We as sentient beings that have consciousness, that are aware of the past, the present, and the future, that have an ability to think, we have aql, we have intellect, and we are aware of what it is that we do. We are aware of our existence and we are aware that we will die. We are different than the other creatures and the other things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. And because of this awareness and because our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us freedom of choice, we are taken to account yawm al-qiyamah for the decisions that we make. So what makes us uniquely human, i.e. the ability to choose, the ability to know, it relates intimately to the intention. And it is for this reason, Imam al-Hasan al-Basri, and there's also a similar statement that is mentioned by Imam al-Junaid that he said, Indeed, is that the people of paradise and the people of the fire will only be respectively in paradise or the fire based upon their intentions. Based upon your intentions. So we understand then, la ilaha illallah. The intention is a weighty thing. And we understand then, we have to know the intention intimately. And we have to understand many things about the intention. And this is what we're going to do, ta'ala, over the next few khutbahs, we're going to look at to the extent possible these various dimensions of the intention. We want to understand what it really is and how it is that we can be sincere in what it is that we intend and how to make various intentions and how to make multiple intentions and to understand special qualities of the intention like its ability to impact the ta'thir of the near and other things related to the intention. But what we want to solidify in our minds and in our hearts now is that the intention is of the utmost importance and it is of the most fundamental things of all to this deen. And the beauty is this understanding is empowering because all of us have the ability to come to understand what the intention is and its weight and its gravity and we have the ability as well to start making good intentions and start seeking the fruit of exercising the freedom of choice that Allah has given us that manifests in these good intentions and then the tawfiq that Allah Ta'ala gives us to be able to then receive the fruits of those intentions that we made and sometimes we're also tested as well when we intend are we really sincere when we intend and those who came before us, they used to teach their children an intention and how to make the intention the way that they would teach their children the Fatiha. And so imagine just beginning to learn how to read the Arabic alphabet. Imagine sitting before a Quran instructor and trying to pronounce even A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajim correctly. Imagine trying to then pronounce Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and then recite the entire Fatiha when you're in the early stages 
you make a lot of mistakes. And especially for non-Arab, it's hard for them to pronounce certain words and to understand the points of articulation and the various traits that are associated with the various letters. All letters have a point of articulation. They have various traits. Understanding this takes time. And it takes time to get accustomed to the correct way of pronunciation. You have to get your mouth used to it. So think about that systematic process because it's a systematic process. As one of the brothers said, you could do like a diagnostic test on how someone pronounces various letters. Is that a correct pronunciation or not? It is a very precise and a very exact science. And so that whole process of learning letter after letter and how to pronounce each letter and when it comes, something comes before it and something comes after it. And then you add to that the dimension of tajweed and when you elongate a vowel and when that you that have other sounds that you make that from the nose and so forth and so on and all of the other rules of tajweed that go into learning the Fatiha, that whole systematic process. Think about all of the time that you spend every step along the way. That's how they used to teach their kids the intention. That same amount of time that you spend learning the Fatiha, that is how the setup would walk their children through how to make an intention. We have no choice other than to invest time in making intentions, in learning first and foremost what that means, coming in tune intimately to repeat what was previously said, the state of heart that is supposed to be behind the intention. And the motivation and understanding the multiple motivations and being able to discriminate and determine what is solely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Understanding the dimension of thoughts and how that plays out. And knowing what to do when you want to intend something but you don't feel that sense of motivation that you know that you should have. And what to do when you have mixed intentions and how it relates to before the act, during the act, and after the act. La ilaha illallah. It seems to be very complicated. And it's very, into one, at some point, in one degree, yes, there's a lot of details. But we have to start. Just as you can't just start reading the Quran in one go. You have to first learn the letters. And then you have to then learn how to recite the letters with the vowels. And then you have to join letters. And then eventually you'll be able to read words. And then you can read words, but it's hard for you to connect words. You forget what is what is a sun letter or a moon letter, whether you pronounce it with an L sound or with that actual letter, like a sh, if it's a sheen, for instance. And then once you connect letters then, that you have to know where to stop and then how to begin and so forth and so on. I'm going into all of this detail so that we can all understand the importance of the intention. This is what we have to do with the intention. And that time that we spend doing this is some of the most precious and beneficial time of all that we'll spend learning. And the fruits of it will be immense, immense, immense. That statement is enough after the words of our Prophet ﷺ for us to take this seriously. Our eternity depends upon the intentions that we make. Our eternal life is predicated upon what we choose here in this world. And how many people are prevented good 
because they neglected the intention. Or they could have achieved a much greater good because they didn't know how to intend what it is that they should have intended. Or they didn't know how to deflect something that came in the way of their intention. And when we spend time with this, we will be warding off things that prevent not only disbelief, we will be warding off things that prevent us from being people of innovation, from being people that fall into sin openly and intentionally, from being people who do things that are displeasing to Allah and His Messenger. You'll be able to deflect that because you understand how this whole process works and the decisions that you make, you'll understand how it is that you need to be internally because you have spent time scrutinizing your own intentions after learning how it is that this process works. And so if we look at this blessed hadith of our Prophet ﷺ, is that he starts by saying, In here, when you see this in Arabic, you know that this indicates that the meaning is being restricted. So this is why you could translate this is that actions are only by intentions. It is restricting the meaning, i.e. it is absolutely necessary for the validity, and this is Imam Shafi's interpretation of what this restrictiveness means in this context, is that actions are only accepted and valid when you make an intention. And there's only a few exceptions to that. And they go into details just to show you the detail. For instance, in the Shafi school, they say that you don't need an intention to wash najasa filth. That if you just wash it, you wash it. That's an exception. And then in some other schools, there's other exceptions as well. But in general, this is the rule. In order for you to get reward for the act that you're doing. And so we know life ultimately is about iman and a'man sadiha. Believing in doing righteous deeds. And in order for you to get reward for the deeds that you're doing, you have to have an intention. And then not only intention, it has to be sincere. But we're not, we'll get there. But let's just start with that acknowledgement that A, actions are not accepted, they're not valid without intention. It's like Scattered dust, it has no meaning with Allah. If someone outwardly does something, you could have a complete munafiq, a complete and total hypocrite who prays or gives charity or does something outwardly that someone else does. And that means nothing in the sight of Allah if that person is not a believer or if they're not intending a righteous intention behind the act that they do. What really matters is our intention. And we want to join between the inward aspect and the outward aspect. But this is Actions are only by intentions. So we need to learn how to have an intention in everything that it is that we do. And this is why in the, the first chapter in Riyadh al-Sadihin, Imam al-Nawi has a beautiful title. And this is a, a, a knowledge in and of itself to understand the titles of the various chapters of the great Imams of Hadith. So the very first chapter is titled Bab al-Ikhlas 
the chapter on sincerity and making an intention, literally making an intention present in the heart. And all of one's actions, words, and states outwardly apparent and hidden. That's the chapter title of the very first chapter of Riyadh al-Salihin. This great Imam, Imam al-Nawi, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, wa bih. Who incidentally they say, these great Imams that like Imam al-Nawi, no one differs about Imam Nawi, how great of an Imam he was. One of the secrets that they mention is the sincerity of these individuals. He only lived to age 45. Imam Nawi, he only lived to age 45. But look at the barakah and the blessing that Allah Ta'ala put in his books from his sincerity. Imam Shafi, what did he say? He said, that what did do that I wanted I wish to have taken part in knowledge and not to have had a single letter attributed to me. But they had to put their names on books so people knew who they were coming from. Look at that, look at that. He wanted to contribute to knowledge and not have a single letter that he contributed that that he contributed be attributed to him. Lilla. Only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this is why their books are still here. Because they only desired closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what it is that they did, which is the essence and epitome of sincerity as is coming in the future, insha'Allah ta'ala. Actions are only accepted. They're only legally valid when we make an intention. Wa Again. It's restricting the meaning. Every man will only have that which they intended. So the first meaning of that is, is that the benefit or harm that is associated with our actions will come back to us as individuals who've been given freedom of choice based upon our intention. What was our intention? What was our intention? The nafa and the dur, the harm and the benefit in it will come back to us by virtue of our intention. And there are people that do things with the wrong intention. And outwardly, it seems again like they're doing just the same thing that someone else is doing. But depending upon what it is that we intend, well, depending upon whether we get the good of that act that we're doing, which of course it has to be aligned with the sacred law, or whether it comes back to harm us in some way. Another meaning. Customary acts that we do, just normal things in life, eating, drinking, taking a walk, taking a break, spending time with family, doing things that you like to do, they become acts of obedience through the intention. That's included in these words of the Prophet And everything that we're going to be speaking about ultimately are encapsulated in these blessed words of the Prophet who has given Juwami al-Kalam very short, concise phrases, but they're packed with meaning. And one, every hadith of Rasulullah is musul ilallah, 
It will take you to Allah. This is the whole goal. Because he's da'in in Allah. He is the one that called to Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So customary things that we do become an act of worship. And then that also وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّمْرٍ مَا نَوَى Another meaning there which is clarified in another hadith. Is that if you make an intention and you're unable to do that thing outwardly or you're unable to do the full extent of what you intended inwardly, outwardly, you get reward for it nevertheless from the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is clarified by a hadith and in some weakness. The intention of the believer is better than his action itself in further reaching i.e. that you can attain through the act of making intention, an intention, that which you can't even attain, one of the meanings of this hadith, through doing acts themselves. And this is why we have to learn this process of making intentions. We have to learn how to intend, what to intend, how to make multiple intentions and vast, far-reaching intentions, and so forth and so on. And if we do this, it will open up immense doors for us to be able to experience the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is something that you and I can all do and we have to be very careful especially in times like the ones that we live that are very difficult times where there's a lot of people suffering there's a lot of people in difficult circumstances there's a lot of people spiritually and religiously let alone physically and psychologically suffering and in a state where they need help and we're all in the state where we need help. All of us need help, but we need to be there for each other. But this is why the intention is so beautiful. One of the great imams was asked, Imam Ahmad bin Hassan al-Tas. And he saw that this person was being a little bit negative and perhaps even complaining a bit about his state and about how he wanted to be, but he wasn't where he wanted to be and so forth. And he looked at him and he said, that, do you believe? And he said, yes. And he said, do you have an intention to do good? Like, do you intend to want to do good, to try to be among the people of good? And he said, yes. And he said, what don't you have then? What a blessing to be a believer and to want to intend to do good. All of us are going to fall short. And yes, at times is that we have to upbraid ourselves so that we work harder to achieve what it is that we've set out to achieve. But all of us will fall short. What a blessing from Allah to have belief and to have inside of you the desire to want to be good and to make righteous intentions. That is a blessing from Allah. And so the way out of our circumstances, no matter what we're in, we could be the very worst person on earth. Even someone who doesn't believe you intend to believe and that to that do something to be gifted and ultimately it's from Allah that intend to believe if someone's not a believer and you very well might be gifted belief and if someone has belief but they're caught up in a number of affairs make an intention to get out of that state make an intention to get out of all of our states that are displeasing to Allah and start from there from that which is displeasing to Allah that is, uh, that is unlawful those things that are disliked and so forth make the intention and you will see how Tawfiq comes to you from Allah wa for your state to be right. It's not going to happen necessarily overnight. It might. 
But this is a lifelong process, and this is why we keep intending. We keep intending. We keep intending. We keep intending. Intention is one of those things that will protect us from hitting rock bottom. Because you and I can always make a righteous intention. We can always intend to be in a good state. We can always intend to dedicate ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we have that in our heart, la ilaha illallah, that even if outwardly we're not able to do, to make any of those changes, we die intending. And our Lord is the most merciful of the merciful, subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah tafarak wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us to be able to understand the importance of the intention and to learn the intention the way that the early people did. And may Allah tafarak wa ta'ala bless us to have our intentions enter into the intentions of the righteous who came before us and to resemble the intentions of the righteous that came before us. And may we experience that which it is that they experienced. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Adameen, wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin, ashraf al-anbiya wa mursaleen, wa ala alihi al-tayyibin al-tahirin, wa sahabati ila karami wa tabi'inu bi ahsani liyumi al-deen, wa alayna ma'ahum wa fihim bi rahmatika ya arhamu al-rahimin, wa shalom la ilaha illallah, wa shalom Muhammad al-Rasulullah, amma ba'd ya ibadullah, inni musikum wa nafsi iya ya bitakullah. إن الله ملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى سادتنا خلفاء رشدنا بكم عثمان وعلي وجمع سادتنا أصحاب رسول الله وعليها لبيت رسول المطهرين من عجاز وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات المسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات يا أول الأولين يا آخر الآخرين يا ذا القوة المتين ويا رحم الساكين ويا أرحم الراحمين أنجزنا رحمة من لقى نسعر بها في الدنيا والآخرة اللهم إننا نسألك زيارة في الدين وبركة في الأمر وصيحة في الجسد وصيحة في الرزق وطوبة قبل الموت وشهادة عند الموت ومغفرة بعد الموت وعفونا سابا معنا من أذاب نصيب من الجنة وذكر النظر إلى وجهك الكريم وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم آواكم الله نصركم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون واذكروا العظيم يذكركم واشكرا على نعم يزدكم ولذكر الله أكبر